0: What are the essentials of life? And where does money really fit into them? Most of us want better lives, lives with more money. Because not only does money buy me stuff, meaningless, plasticky, will look nice on my Insta feed stuff, but money also guarantees me the basics of survival, right? The essentials of life. Gadi, Bangla, bank balance, Amitabh Bachan's mom. I mean, these are the essentials of life, right? Well, turns out not exactly. Technically, it seems you don't need money to survive. Science, apparently, is telling us that all we really need is food, air, water, and other humans. Now, I know I did arts in 12th grade, but that makes sense to me. You need water to drink, air to breathe, people to love, and food to shove down your mouth while you stream Netflix. But despite that, we still live our lives embroiled in materialism. And materialism, in many ways, is one of the most powerful drugs out there. Scientifically, buying stuff releases the same chemicals as class 1 narcotics. Yet, you never see the NCB go after a Bollywood actress for buying like a seventh BMW. They're all like, nah, (laughs) that's too big a drug for us to deal with. Let's just focus on the 50 grams of marijuana. That's, that's, uh, That's how we solve this problem. Let's, let's leave the really big stuff to somebody else. And, th- and that's what we've done. We've left the really big stuff like, oh I don't know, growing the food that sustains humanity, that that we've left to, to our farmers. The same farmers who toil all day, the same farmers who gets their hands dirty, the same farmers who are out today on the streets of India being hit by lathis and water cannons for simply trying to put forth their point. Don't bite the hand that feeds you, we've been told. The government's like, all right. You didn't say anything about bombing them with smoke grenade though. Loophole! (laughs) But aside from the fact that the only thing you're allowed to protest these days is against people protesting the government, the manner in which society has twisted the hands that feed us is what is truly deplorable. Think about it we've been growing food forever it literally takes nothing the soil already there the seed conveniently grows on the damn trees the water literally falls from the damn sky the air is, 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 is always there the sun shows up like every 12 hours and hits us in the face and, and and that's it that's all you need to grow food yet farmers today are one of the most economically and socially challenged demographics. Every year, nearly 6,000 farmers commit suicide in this country. Every day, nearly 28 people dependent on farming take their own lives. Simply because they can't pay back their dues, they have no money to eat. Because capitalism is this horrible game where everyone who plays is a loser. And and you're not allowed to rage quit. (laughs) No, capitalism is, is competition incessant, eternal. Against what? I ask myself. And why do we all have to play this game? It seems unfair to all those of us who don't want their life to be incessant competition. It seems unfair to all those of us who don't have quote-unquote marketable skills. I mean, you could be the nicest person, have the biggest heart, but that will only really matter in the world of capitalism if you're trying to sell that big heart. Honestly, The black market organ trade will give you a solid rate for your big heart. If you think about it, the black organ market is such a wholesome place. They don't care who you are, your creed, your race, your gender, your caste. They just love you for what's on the inside. (laughs) Capitalism, however, is is, is very different from money by itself. Capitalism is a relatively recent phenomenon. Well, money has existed for millennia. And in today's world, I understand that money can be incredibly useful. In the right hands, money has the powerful effect of social mobility. It allows the sick to access healthcare, the oppressed to access education, the hungry to access food. This podcast then is about two things. It is for most about our farmers who have been made the victims of a game we're all losing, who toil every day so that you and I can quite literally enjoy the fruits of their labor. This podcast is also about money. It is about the importance money plays in the world of today and how money isn't a bad thing. We just have to make sure that the hands that are holding it are clean. This podcast is about how Greenpeace India worked towards solving the problems faced by farmers. Funded by money raised by the public. Greenpeace India is not only one of the most recognizable names in the environmental movement, but they have created some fascinating farmers' programs, ranging from the Bihar Kadia Living Soils program, which was so popular and useful that the Bihar government actually made it part of their state policy, to programs like the Circle of Solidarity, which was designed to raise funds for the marginalized, forgotten and frankly fucked over farmers whose livelihoods have gotten even worse, if that was possible, since the outbreak of the pandemic. And I'm delighted to have with me today two young guns of Greenpeace India, Miss Anusir Dev Sarma and Mr. Abhishek Chanchal, both of whom played pivotal roles in these incredible farmers' initiatives. In fact, so inspirational was the work done by Greenpeace India that it inspired me to do my own little bit. Today, I want to inform all my listeners, present and future, that what on earth will always be free? Yeah, that's right. Always going to be free. This is simply due to the fact that my incentive for doing this should never be corrupted by the taint of green. But I do want to do something for my guests because not only are they inspirational, but they often do so much so selflessly that the least you and I can do is help them out From every episode beginning with this one, I will be putting out links to organizations or charities that my guests are a part of or want to patronize. And to you, brilliant listener, I ask, donate any amount, big or small, of your choosing. If you're inspired by their work, have learned something from them, or simply feel that good people should be rewarded for good work, please do make sure to check out the donation links I will be advertising in every episode. For today's episode, you can donate to Greenpeace India's Farmers programs, the links for which you can find on our social media on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. But first, how significantly is the youth shaping the environmental movement? How tough is it to get farmers to switch to organic? Why was Greenpeace India's model adopted by the Bihar government? And how you can help do your bit for the farmers of India in this week's not? Anusuya, Abhishek, thank you so much for joining me. You know, sometime uh, in the early 2000s, I got very interested with uh, environment sustainability, with climate change, with ecological conservation. And throughout my readings, throughout my research, one name that has consistently popped up is that of Greenpeace. Across variety of uh, projects spread across the globe, Greenpeace has been doing some consistently good work for quite some time. My question is, and let's start with you, Anusuya. What really motivated you to start working with Greenpeace and indeed in the largest sphere of uh, sustainability and climate action as well?
1: Um, All right. So first of all, thank you so much for having us and having me here. I think the podcast is such a great way for people um, who are looking for, you know, information on sustainability and, you know, the environmental movement in general, it's a great resource for them. So I'm so happy to be here. Um, so to much. answer your question, I'll answer the second one first, which is how I really started exploring um, the environmental movement in a very personal way. I started engaging with it and you know, started asking questions about sustainability in general and how I can contribute to it. So I graduated from LSR in 2019. And while I was there, um, each college, I think, has a, um, a requirement or a recommendation for students to work with the National Service Scheme, the NSS. So in my years in LSR, I started working with an organization called Friendigos, which is basically, um, it's actually not the environment, but it's an organization that helps animals and, you know, fosters them and works with them. And slowly, uh, when I started looking into animal welfare and taking care of animals and animal rights, that led me slowly and very calmly into the world of veganism. And then through that, it led to me questioning. Um, and also, I studied political science at LSR, so we were constantly questioning the environmental laws and environmental impacts and sustainabilities and you know things like that. So I was always um, intrigued and exploring these um, uh, this avenue in a in a very personal way. So as soon as I graduated from LSR. Um, I took a gap year, and I think that's when I met you, you know, at debates and stuff. And at debates, we were discussing these very important issues that were affecting us. Um, And also, when I started modeling, I was, you know, looking into things like sustainable fashion and so on. So it was a year or or two of me just exploring um, the environment um, and the environmental movement in a very personal way. But my journey with Greenpeace India actually started once I was out of college in November 2019, so towards the end of um, November, the last week, if I remember correctly, I had reached out to Abhishek, sir, in fact, and um, that was the time that Delhi was going through a really bad Air pollution phase where the smog was at an all-time high, and you know Delhi University students couldn't even go to college anymore. And you know every Delhiite at that point was really just disturbed with the environmental situation that they were in. And I came across some great work that Greenpeace India was doing, and for the first time I felt like going a step further because of the great work that they're doing. I didn't just want to support their cause or didn't just want to you know um, share a link. I wanted to get actively involved. And since I was traveling a lot and on, on my gap year, I thought there was no better opportunity than right now to do it um so I reached out to Abhishek so I reached out to Greenpeace India and Greenpeace India actually even before COVID-19 had this wonderful online induction process where so people from across the country no matter where they are could get involved and you know help if they wanted to so my journey started with them as a, like a three-month internship in November and during the course of my internship I was intern coordinator for a lot of other students from different universities and we worked on air pollution specifically on the air pollution campaign and things like that and it was just so motivating to be around people from all kinds, like all walks of life, all parts of the country, all uh, like the age spectrum also varied. So it was so wonderful to work with them. And I remember we were going from locality to locality doing um, lung tests for the for school children who weren't in very well-off areas and who were in areas in Delhi, like that were specifically impacted by the air pollution. We engaged with um, a lot of the community. We had lake cleanups, you know, everything really for us to understand what goes into conserving the environment and who are the stakeholders um, who work with the environment so that's been my journey and after my three-month contract for the internship got over it was like a no-brainer continuing to work with them continuing to be you know getting the opportunity to do such good work and work with such amazing people it was like a no-brainer so my journey just ever since November 2019 just continued.
0: Well, that's fascinating. A lot to unpack with that. But first, I mean, an online induction before COVID. I mean, I I knew Greenpeace were forward thinking, but this is this is some next level stuff. Uh, It was really
1: amazing because I was traveling from Delhi to Bombay. And, you know, the first question is students. And I think you'd relate to this because you're a recent graduate yourself is, you know, will I be able to contribute and actively be involved in something as intense if I can say so as an environmental movement if I don't have the time but I think one thing Greenpeace has been great with has just been this online induction process and also asking of people what they can you know just not like a 24-7 like you need to keep working but they tried their best to make it like a lifestyle change
0: that's that's really indicative, and that sort of speaks to why Greenpeace has been able to achieve the position it has because they're willing to do things I I think that other people are not willing to, and they're obviously uh you know their foresight is is 2020. Uh, but uh, it it also sp- uh, speaks to the aspect of getting involved hands-on has so much more of a greater effect. Than to theorize and to intellectually understand any problem. I mean, I'm sure your, your short journey with with even interact with working with animals had a profound impact on how you on how you view them. So it, it's always a, an advice I give anyone who's stupid enough to ask me for advice is that you get involved uh, hands on, and I think that's the that's the best way to or rather the only way. To learn anything uh, coming to you abhishek uh, you have been a. a dange fellow since 2014 uh, you, you have been working with greenpeace for quite some time now talk to us a little bit about your experience with the organization and how you've really seen it grow over the past six years
2: so uh, yeah so uh, the greenpeace journey you know, uh, gave me a, a crucial understanding around the environment as well as the uh, the role of the community and individual, especially uh, youth. So like if you see the Greenpeace uh, activity and the uh, program, mostly activity done by our volunteers. And we uh, strongly uh, believe uh, that young young mindset uh, change the world because they have a huge potential to shifting the mindset and all that. So we have done uh, so, so many good work like we have done the KDI story in Bihar around the sustainable agriculture. We have done the like decentralized energy uh, uh, campaign in the uh, Dharnai village. So uh, and after after that we we have a uh, we have created the debate around the air pollution. And after uh, two three years campaign, like government announced the national clean air program and you uh, know, uh, execute in the uh, uh, in the uh, different uh, cities. So these are the success story uh, with uh, Greenpeace and I was the part of that thing.
0: You know, that's uh, that's fascinating to me, for me. Lots to unpack there. Uh, to start with, you're absolutely right. Uh, we see this as a recurring trend that the youth is getting more and more involved in these kinds of activities. Uh, and I'm sure that's something I, w- I want to talk to Anusia as well in some time. Uh, is is how sort of uh, this next generation is taking it upon themselves to be the change that they want to see uh, but you you spoke about uh, various uh, programs that greenpeace has undertaken and to me the one of the most fascinating ones is the kadia living soils program that that took place in in bihar uh, so talk to us a little bit about what this project was and you know how did sort of greenpeace go about uh, its operations
2: so like, uh, uh, right now, if you know the, you know, sustainable agriculture and the crisis of the, in the sector of the agriculture. So we established, uh, um, like, uh, Cadia village where right now around 600, uh, families are doing the, uh, the <clears throat> organic farming thing so these are the first village of the bihar and uh, the uh, bihar government announced uh, as a uh, as a uh, solution model and they announced to uh, do this uh, campaign in every uh, around every district of the bihar and the chemical, as you know that the chemical based farming b- destroys the soil and its ecosystem so when we when we say that uh, organic uh, uh, agriculture is is on its importance to talk around the soil and its ecosystem so right now around 600 more than 600 farmer families uh, are doing the uh, organic farming and not just uh, not just in only kedia so uh, we shifted uh, around we, uh, we replicate this model uh, model in uh, three more villages so these are this is the uh, like success story of the kedia
0: so how did uh, sort of Greenpeace facilitate or how did Greenpeace help uh, these farmers in, in, in shifting from chemical farming to organic farming?
2: So like uh, mostly the, firstly when we do the campaign, we need to change the mindset, right? So like we've uh, done the focus group discussion with the uh, Kedia people, organized the uh, enlightening with the government and uh, uh, local authority to channelize the esteem towards the ecological farming and the organic farming. So we are we are trying to channelize uh, the uh, like uh, farmers and uh, farmers and the government esteem in the area. So like our main our main uh, like model was to you know how to create the ecosystem to uh, connecting the different dots. You know? so that we able to uh, do this uh, kind of the successful template
0: yeah that's that's fascinating and just for my listeners uh, greenpeace india helped organize the Jayavik bihar yatra uh, which uh, which organized a movement of greenpeace volunteers and its allies over 1500 kilometers interacting with 800 farmers from nine districts uh, on eco-sustainability and out-of-the-box solutions to tackle climate change. Uh, and especially in the times of uh, COVID, we've seen uh, migrant labor and agricultural labor being particularly affected uh, in, in, in such a disastrous way the likes of which we might not have seen ever since uh, in, in 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 independent india uh, Anusia, i want you to uh, i want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the ccs challenge that that you helped it's spearhead so, uh, i beg your pardon uh, that you helped spearhead in, in in such a fascinating way and mm-hmm. and you know what was firstly that challenge and what was the result of that challenge
1: all right so the ccs challenge um, is a very recent culmination of actually a really long journey that started um with my during my internship stint with greenpeace india i was flown out to bhuvaneshwar abhishek sir and i went as well where greenpeace india had a soil consultation um and like on soil consultation and on soil health and things like that they organized a um kind of like a meeting with different stakeholders from like directly to farmers, to the government, to non-governmental organizations like Greenpeace India working in this um, sector. And we co-organized it with the Odisha Swamji Mancha and the Mahila Swamji Mancha. So I flew, I flew down for that. And at that point I had very little knowledge about how, or, I mean, I, all I had heard is organic farming is great and it's good but you know I always mm-hmm. ask myself if it's so amazing and it benefits all the stakeholders then why aren't farmers doing it as often and like you know what's going on so that's why consultation and that, that five days that I spent in Purneshwar um, really um, got me connected to the organic farming movement because Greenpeace India and this links also to the question you just asked Abhishek sir um, you know Greenpeace India um, did everything from getting the farmers from diff- diff- different districts of Odisha and paying them money and paying their um like even their stay if they couldn't travel back in time in bhavaneshwar in the hotel where we were like staying um just one second yeah um they did all of that and then i remember sitting through the consultation and there were different stakeholders who were speaking about why this should be done and there were a lot of farmers who had very relevant questions about the transition about how it impacts them and things like that so i was really connected to organic farming and what Greenpeace India was trying to do all over India and places like Kedia and Bhuvneshwar I um, was really connected to this pre COVID as well. But during COVID, we obviously hit a disastrous time in the country where now every organization's focus, including Greenpeace India, was also on COVID relief. And I was speaking to, you know, my colleagues, uh, I have a wonderful colleague called Pooja at Greenpeace India and Abhishek sir, and we were speaking about this project which actually benefits um, three stakeholders at once, which, which was first the um, migrant laborers who had been hit really bad by COVID because they had lost their, you know, daily wage earnings that they would have that would sustain them um, through the day. And um, also farmers who who are now losing their access to the market directly, because the only people during um, the pandemic who could continue services were the big players. Um, so, you know, small and marginal farmers farmers were really losing out. Um, and also, of course, the environment was, um, you know, getting a, some time to re- revive, but it, it was always in question that organic farming needs to be pushed forward. So the circle of solidarity um project was really a way for greenpeace india to directly source organic produce from these small and marginal farmers support them give them the kind of information um, and financial support they need to make that transition to organic farming and then buy that produce for from them so they have that kind of security and then use that same produce that they've just um gotten and directly sourced from the small and marginal farmers and then use that to make kind of ration kits and food kits which would finally be distributed as covid relief to um Uh, to migrant neighbors who need it every day and of course these two stakeholders who really needed it directly get impacted but also overall this was a very sustainable way of getting of like practicing covid relief or getting through the pandemic because you were also supporting and allowing organic farming to grow in places and with farmers who probably need it the most so when I heard about this project I, I mean till date I think I've worked with a lot of organizations and a lot of projects with Greenpeace India but till date I think this is um, one, been one of the most meritorious projects I've come across because it's just so well planned and it's kind of like hitting three birds with one stone but we don't really hit birds with East India. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah so I was really really impressed and this is also the time that on Instagram when we were in lockdown and this is absolute lockdown when I first heard about this project. Um, I we, we was, All of us and my friends and I and volunteers and everyone who cared was struggling to find ways to contribute because they really wanted to and i think um your listeners will relate to this and probably you as well at one point the most we could physically do was put up stories of donation links and information so that people know as much but i really wanted to take it a step further one because i wanted um this project to get as much like financial support as possible but two also because i wanted consumers of things like food all of us consume food and you know um buy vegetables and groceries and stuff so i wanted people to make an educated guess so if they had a sustainable alternative and if they could buy organic foods and not the expensive kinds you find in supermarkets but the kinds that will benefit you know our indian marginal farmers i really wanted people to know more so after a month or so of thinking once lockdowns are over i designed the cos challenge which is this um like circular solidarity challenge where i put up a quick i think it was a Two minute um, IGTV video where I kind of explained this entire project the way I just have to you and I challenged whoever was watching the video to um, donate and then to tag three people and, you know, get them to donate as well. So that was kind of like a challenge in the sense that you have to make sure that the three people that you've tagged donated and... um, Exactly what I had hoped for luckily happened. A lot of people got involved because they had the same thought that I did, that this project is so great. Why isn't it working? So people, or by I think till date, the video has about 18,000 views. And I have a very small Instagram, just about six or 7,000 people. So it reached a much larger audience. Um, by the third day of the video, I think or the people who were tagging Um, each other in the comments weren't even in the same city as me. So it was really, really successful and um, we crossed two lakhs in donations within a a week. I think five or six days we crossed two lakhs in donations. And most importantly, people got to know about organic farming and how it's actually benefiting the farmers. So if you go through the comment sections, there are people actually asking the same questions that you are. Are the farmers willing to do this? Are they actually benefiting from them? And these are important questions that at least uh, put seeds of curiosity about this process into people. So the COS challenge was extremely fun and um, right now it's just one video, but other volunteers might put it up on their own pages and continue the challenge. So yeah, it was really, really great. And we got a lot of support from the community. I got support from people like you, from friends, from people I don't even know. So it was a really, really great experience.
0: Well, uh, the credit of the successful uh, COS challenge definitely, I'd say a large extent goes to your persistence and your dedication because uh, there are, there are, there are a lot of people who will sort of, uh, you know, post things online or on their story or, you know, make videos about a lot of things. But uh, sometimes it, it just feels that that is for the sake of making a video for, you know, virtue signaling to show the world that yes, I too care about it. But your dedication and your persistence, uh, you know, to, with such love to go after people and to make sure that the the donations come in. And it it was just fascinating for me. It's been something that I've been uh, increasingly trying to emulate in my own life, that this is how you sometimes get after people in in like the best way possible. So thank you so much for that. Uh,
1: Thank you, you. But I must say that a lot of the motivation to do something like this genuinely, and I'm not saying it for the sake of saying it, but genuinely comes from, um, people that I've worked with in Greenpeace because you know often uh, especially in the millennial age putting up a story can also feel so tedious but the kind of people that luckily I've met and worked with before COVID I've literally met people and the Abhishek sir will be able to back me up on this I've met people who carry a bag with them every day as this one wonderful gentleman that we met and he carries a bag with him every day and normal people like us we carry our phones and laptops and chargers or maybe a wallet and he literally used to carry a shovel, so whenever he sees a damaged plant, he goes and fixes it. And people wow. like this, I mean, I was just so fascinated, people like this for all the work that they do, they never get any appreciation. So once I got exposed to the kind of work people do just silently and quietly without any appreciation or any applaud, that really pushes me to do as much as possible.
0: That's absolutely 100% the reason why I even thought of doing this podcast because you're absolutely right. There's so many people who just go about their entire lives doing such incredible work and they don't, uh, you realize that they don't really do it for the applause. They do it because the work in itself is so inherently rewarding uh, that, you know, they're just perfectly happy uh, doing it. As uh, one final question I I have to ask you, Anusuya, is you have been uh, in charge of uh recruiting volunteers you've been in charge of sort of managing them as well uh, you know the, the new volunteers that greenpeace uh, keeps getting and and uh, in fact you are one of the uh, largest organized ngos uh, in this field especially in india uh, you, you you keep getting tons of new volunteers every day and they're mostly young individuals so in your experience how have you seen uh, what is your sort of take on the volunteers coming in do, do are you are you hopeful because of it or do you see most people coming in, it for, coming in it for the wrong reason? What is your takeaway from uh, dealing with so many volunteers?
1: Um, so my experience with all the volunteers and the interns that we've gotten in. So we do have a um, an academic structure that supports kind of just getting an internship letter, right? But what I've noticed the most about Greenpeace India volunteers is Almost all of them, like, you know, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of the uh, colleges that have sent like interns to us had like a, we have an MOU with them, and they get academic credit. So there's a definite benefit for them. But the one thing that I've noticed has, is that you know they might come in with them this mindset, but once they get down and do the work, they get so involved that till date, like the December interns that under me, the January interns are under me, are still very involved in their own way, either with Greenpeace directly or the movement. So I think that. It's actually quite promising to see that uh, once you work in this environment, it starts pushing you to question how much you can do. And if not anything, it starts making you question your own personal lifestyle choices that do, I mean, these small lifestyle choices that we make do end up Um, making like environmental patterns and those patterns can either be beneficial or like degrading and the minute we get someone to question that and make a little change I think that's a huge benefit so I think the volunteers definitely by the end of their journey were much much more connected and I think that's also to do with the fact that constantly even when I was like um, intern coordinator and so and I were like working with this team a huge priority for Greenpeace India has always been um, to build a personal relationship of the volunteer or of the change maker with the movement so that they don't feel like it's just three months and I've gotten my certificate, but they actually go through a journey of what they learn, what they see, and how they can continue this in the future. So I think the, I mean, I've been very lucky that all the volunteers that we've worked with have been very, very enthusiastic and creative and, you know, have continued. Now, I still connect with some of them, so I know that they've continued this part. So I think it's very promising. Um, But I do think a lot of the focus on like volunteers now really needs to be that we need to we need like universities and especially like you know school and, and university going children basically to really be involved in these movements and get them the opportunity to you know um, explore this side of them so I really wish that Peace India for example was exposed to me when I was in LSR through NSS or whatever it was because that would really give people a chance to explore this part of them within an academic curriculum too so that you know it kind of supports it and doesn't hinder you from it because everyone that I see Including myself, who's joined the family, hasn't
0: do really that. So yeah. That is incredibly inspiring, and I am so happy that there are organisations that seem less like a factory and more like a family, because that's really the only way to create sustainable uh, growth in in any organisation. For more information, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Water North.